0: This podcast episode is sponsored by Steve Goldberg in honor of his wife, Melissa, on the occasion of their second anniversary. And from all of us at Torch, and from the entire podcast listenership, we wish them a hearty happy anniversary, and we wish them many happy returns. If you would like to sponsor a podcast episode in honor of your wife, or for any reason at all, please email me. My email address is... RabbiWolby at gmail.com. Now, before we begin, I want to give a quick shout out to a podcast episode that I did last week. It was on the Parsha podcast, Parsha's Re. It was titled Influencing People, and if you have not gotten a chance to listen to it, it was one of my favorite episodes that I've ever done, and it may be worth your time to give it a listen if you have not yet Done so. so I was thinking to discuss the following critical subject. As many of you know, our organization, Torch, over the last couple of months, has unveiled a new program. We call it the Mitzvah Magnets, the Shabbat light switch covers. I've spoken about them in the past. Essentially, it's a little device that goes on a light switch. You put it on before Shabbat, and that prevents you from accidentally triggering the light flicking it on or off, and that way we could fulfill Shabbat a little bit with uh, this assurance of knowing that we have this extra prophylactic, this extra prevention against flipping on or off the lights. This is a project that we unveiled a couple of months ago. And thank God we've given away many hundreds, maybe even thousands of these Shabbat lights, which covers these mitzvah magnets, and we still have thousands of them to give away and go to our website, torchweb.org, to get yours. But I was thinking, this costed a lot of money. This was a huge investment of capital. And the question that I want to address today is, maybe the funds could have been dedicated to a better use. Why is it so important to God, to humanity, to us, that we don't flip on or off the lights on Shabbat? Now, granted, the Mitzvah magnet, the Shabbat light switch cover, is a lot of fun to play with, even during the week, even if you are not flipping on or off the light, it's something which is a lot of fun. But still, Shabbat is such a central part of our religion, and there's many draconian laws and restrictions, and one of them, of course, is involved with turning on or off electricity. And it's not immediately clear why these are so important and why these are so meaningful. So I thought this was a subject to kind of address, to explore what is so important about Shabbat that warrants such a big investment and such a big focus of our religion. Now, I think the easy answer, or at least the basic answer, is that, you know, even in common parlance, there's the idea of a sabbatical. People need a break. People want to spend time with their family. You want to rest. You want to relax. You want to unwind. You want to enjoy. Shabbat is something of a reprieve from the chaos and the insanity of the week. And you know what? Even in secular circles, even in non-Jewish circles, the idea of a technology sabbatical is in vogue. This idea of one day, you take off your phone, you go off social media, you don't see all the nonsense on Twitter and Facebook, you have a little bit of peace of mind, you have serenity of a little break from the fire hose of nonsense that we always are connected to with the television, with the internet, with the social media, with our phones, untether yourself from the chaos and have some peace and serenity and tranquility. And that, by the way, is not only a Jewish idea, it's now becoming widespread in the world at large. And of course, that's true. And Shabbat is about that. It's about relaxation, rest, and a little bit of a reprieve of a break from all the insanity of the week. What I want to explore today, I want to go a little bit deeper in this subject. Shabbat, of course, Is about rest, relaxation, rejuvenation, renewal. What I want to do today is explore the essence of Shabbat, the essential holiness and power of Shabbat, and take our understanding of Shabbat to a different level. So, of course, it is superfluous to say that Shabbat, that Shabbos, and Shabbat observance is a central pillar of Jewish law, and Jewish philosophy, of course, the Ten Commandments, the digest, if you will, of Jewish belief of Torah, it features prominently the idea of Shabbat. And if you go to Exodus chapter 20, it says quite clearly, remember the Shabbat, Zacharias Yom And you fast forward to Deuteronomy, where it has the second time where it repeats, where Moshe, before he passes, he repeats the Ten Commandments, Shamaris Yomashabbs the Kacho guard observe the Shabbat to sanctify it. Obviously, if Shabbat is in the Ten Commandments, it is a central component of Torah and of our religion. But you open up the Talmud and you discover some crazy teaching, some wild ideas about Shabbat. So for example, the Talmud tells us. That you could put all of Torah, all of the mitzvos, on one side of a scale. And you put Shabbat, the single mitzvah of Shabbat, on the other side of the scale, and they're equal. Shabbat is equal to all of Torah. You take all of Torah, the obsession of our nation, the pastime of our people, what we've been teaching and preaching and studying for thousands of years. All of it, and you want to distill it into one idea, it's Shabbat. Shabbat encapsulates everything the Torah is all about. Obviously, it's a lot more than just rest, rejuvenation, and relaxation. The Talmud in the Book of Shabbos, page 118b, tells us that it is also a get-out-of-jail-free card. Talmud tells us, if someone observes, obeys Shabbat adheres to Shabbat properly, even if they do idolatry, like the generation of Enosh, forgiven. What an amazing teaching. You could do all of the worst sin in the world, idolatry. You observe Shabbat, it's cleansed. There's something so powerful about Shabbat observance that it's even able to cleanse the worst of the worst The sin of idolatry. Moreover, continues the Talmud, it is the key to Jewish hegemony and security. Had the Jewish people observed the Shabbat, no nation would be able to triumph over us. Moreover, it's the key of messianic redemption. Again, continues the Talmud, the book of Shabbat, page 118b. If the Jewish people, if they only observe two Shabbos'es properly, according to the dicta of halacha, miyad, right away they are redeemed. Our nation has been yearning, has been pining for Messiah for thousands of years. Our children are reared on this messianic dream, this ambition, this awaiting of Messiah. It's half of our prayers. It's the national desire of our people. And the Talmud tells us that the lever, so to speak, that we need to push to effectuate Messiah, observance of Shabbat. Shabbat, again, is much more than rest, relaxation, rejuvenation. It is the lever that we pull to fulfill our national destiny to effectuate Messiah. We're clearly discovering that there's something a lot deeper going on beneath the surface. Moreover, the Talmud tells us that there's something uniquely Jewish about this particular mitzvah. So for example, there's a verse that we say multiple times over Shabbat. It's part of the Friday night prayer. It's part of the Shabbat lunch, the Shabbat morning kiddush. And we read vishamru bnei israel Shabbos, let the children of israel observe the shabbat for them it is an eternal covenant between me ie god and the children of israel there's something about shabbat that is binding god and the jewish people it's a sign an eternal covenant an eternal sign between God and the Jewish people. There's something unique about the Jewish nation and what we represent that is manifested in Shabbat. So again, our national mission can be distilled to the idea that we are here to perfect the world, to bring the world to Messiah. And our nation is embodies this idea that there's something between God and the Jewish people, some sort of partnership, some sort of covenant, some sort of agreement, some sort of sign. God, Jewish people, were bound with Shabbat forever. So there's obviously very deep ideas being conveyed here, and it's not immediately clear what is the essence of Shabbat. Now, as an aside, there's three mitzvot that we are told are signs of, between God and the Jewish people and they are circumcision and tefillin and Shabbat. The Talmud tells us that these signs are almost like witnesses who testify to this unique bond between our nation and God. And we know a Jewish court demands a minimum of two witnesses for testimony to be considered credible. And therefore, says the Talmud, why don't we wear a tefillin on Shabbat? We only wear it during the week because we always need to have two witnesses testifying to this unique bond between God and the Jewish people. And during the week, we have our circumcision, and we have our tefillin. And on Shabbat, the day of Shabbat itself is this sign, and therefore, we don't need to wear our tefillin. But this idea of a sign you know, you drive to retail stores across the country, and of course, sadly, there's a lot of small businesses that are going out of business. The retail sector in this country, and really all over the world, has been devastated because of coronavirus, there's all kinds of vacancies everywhere. But of course, there were some stores that just closed up shop, there was a lockdown. And they closed for a couple of weeks, 15 days to slow the spread. And there were some stores that closed permanently. What's the difference between a store that is temporarily closed and a store that is permanently closed? The difference is the sign. If you are still in business, the sign still features your store's name. Maybe there's a little sign of the door. Okay, we'll be opened in a couple of weeks, whatever it is. But the second the sign is taken down and the realtors are trying to fill up the vacancy, we're looking for a new renter, a new tenant here. The second the sign is down, that's it. You're out of business. The Jewish people, we've had our ups and downs. We've had our ebbs and flows throughout history. Times where our relationship with God was rock solid. Nice and tight. And times, of course, where our relationship to God waned a little bit. Our commitment to Torah was a little bit iffy. We might have been teetering on going out of business, if you will. The business of the Jewish nation. But if the sign is still there, still a sign, if there's still Shabbat and Tefillin and Circumcision... We're still in business. Things might be a little rough. The year-over-year sales may be a little bit questionable. The street's not so happy with us. We're still alive. We're still kicking. We're still in business. Shabbat is our sign. It's our ID, identification. We're still in the game. We're still fighting the good fight. We are still on this path, this inexorable path, to fulfilling our destiny. There's something clearly very deep about what Shabbat represents. This is the bind between God and the Jewish people. Traditionally, when you walk home from shul on Friday night, our sages tell us that there are angels that are accompanying us back from shul. And in fact, there's a prayer that we say, or it's a song, the Shalom Aleichem prayer. And what does it mean? Shalom Aleichem, peace be unto you, Malachi Ashares, the heavenly angels. And we say, peace be unto you. That's the first stanza. Boachem le Shalom, come in peace. Borchuni le Shalom, bless me in peace. And the fourth stanza, say, Shalom, leave in peace. This is before we start the meal. Is that Jewish hospitality? You have the angels come. You ask them for a blessing, and you boot them out of the house. That's the answer. Shabbat is such subliminal holiness, but it's only between God and the Jewish people, between me and between the Jewish people. No one else is invited. Not the angels not the non-Jews, nobody, it's God and the Jewish people. So there's obviously something very deep. There's a secret of Shabbat, and I think it's worthwhile to ask the question, what is the deeper meaning of Shabbat? What's the deeper insight of Shabbat that makes it emblematic of all of Torah? That makes it the key to redemption, the key to fulfilling our national mission. That makes it what our nation stands for, the bond between God and the Jewish people. We're called the chosen nation. Here we're told that if you want to figure out what we're chosen for, you have to look at where we are special, where our uniqueness is being accentuated. And we're told it's in Shabbos. You want to find out what it means, chosen people, what the Jewish nation, so to speak, what we need to fulfill, you got to look at Shabbos. So what is it? So I think the answer, or at least the opening of the answer, can be found in a very interesting teaching of the Talmud in the book of Shabbos, page 10b. The Talmud tells us that if you give a gift to your fellow man. You must inform them that you gave them a gift. You do a favor for someone. You have to let them know. You have to reveal that to them. And the example says the Talmud. God gave the Jewish people a gift. And God gave the Jewish people the gift via Moses. And God tells Moses, I have a wonderful gift from my treasure house and its name is Shabbat and I want to give it to the Jewish people. Go and inform them of this gift. The Talmud is revealing to us something fantastic. A mitzvah is a commandment. A mitzvah is a law. A mitzvah is an edict. A mitzvah is the Almighty giving us a directive. Shabbat, that's a gift. That's the Almighty going to his treasure house, going to something which is so holy, which is the inner sanctum of holiness, pulling it out, giving it to Moshe, telling them go give it to the Jewish people and go inform them this is a gift that I'm giving to them. The Talmud is telling us that Shabbat is different than every other mitzvah. Every mitzvah is a commandment, this is a gift. And Moshe has told, go inform them of this gift. Meaning, the Jewish people, when they get the gift and they unpack it, they are likely to say, this is the gift that you gave me? I don't want this gift. Return to sender. I don't appreciate such gifts. I'd rather not have it. The Talmud's indicating is that this is a gift, but we don't recognize that it's a gift. And therefore, God says to Moshe, go inform them. There's something, if I if you deliver this gift to them, they're not going to initially realize its value. You have to go inform them of its value. There's a Hasidic tale that's told of Reb Shmelka of Nicholsburg, one of the early Hasidic masters. There was someone who was very poor, a pauper, comes to his home and asks him for money. Now, this great rabbi, this great Hasidic master himself, was also a pauper, so he had nothing to give him. And then he remembers that his wife, when she got married, by her wedding day, there was a veil that she wore, and it was bedecked with fake pearls. But it was still worth something. You know, fake pearls still worth something. So he ran to his closet, this great Hasidic master, and said, "Oh, I actually have something of vow that I could give you. So you could sell it and and make some money off of it. It's fake pearls, but it's worth something. So he gives it to the man. Go sell it and go use the proceeds to help you in your plight. So the man leaves and the great rabbi's wife shows up and she found out what happened. And she says to him, what did you do? Those weren't fake pearls. Those were real pearls. It was worth a lot of money. You gave it to this pauper? So he runs out after the guy and he screams at him. They're not fake. They're real. Make sure when you sell them, you sell them for a lot of money. Don't sell them as if they were fake. This is the story of Shabbos. We get the pearls and we think, yeah, okay, it's nice. We can relax rejuvenation, take a day off from work. We think it's fake pearls. And Moshe tells us, no, 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 you have to go inform them. You have to know that there's something really secretive. You can't necessarily tell, but it really is exceptionally valuable. This is a gift from God, says the Talmud, that we are likely to undervalue. And therefore Moshe needs to inform us of, It's true value. And again, the question can be raised. Shabbos is a great gift. It seems like a great nuisance. All kinds of laws and restrictions and draconian rules. 39 categories of work that is prohibited. Voluminous, mountainous rabbinic laws. Every aspect of your life is governed by these Shabbat laws. And you really have to study it well to know it. And I have over here in my hand the seven volumes of a digest of the laws of Shabbat. And that's only one thing that I have here in my hand. Here, this is my show and tell. I have a very thick set, four volumes of the laws of Shabbat. And this is all from the Torch Center Library. Oh, oh. You know what else I have over here? The three volume set of the Digest of Laws of Shabbat. And you know what? If you go to Yeshiva and you want to study laws of Shabbat, you could spend years studying laws of Shabbat. There's so many details and all kinds of restrictions and prohibitions. You can't do this and you can't do that. The Talmud even says, are you allowed to say hello to your friend? Is that permitted on Shabbat? says the Talmud, Bikoshi Hitiru, it's barely permissible. This is a gift? This is the gift from God's treasure houses? This is something which is so wonderful? What's the gift? What is the secret? What is this wonderful gift of Shabbat that is so transformative, that's so emblematic of the Jewish people, what we represent, that equals all of Torah, that is the key to unlocking the great mystery of redemption. What is Shabbat really all about? So I want to suggest an approach based upon an amazing Ramban This is actually on the Ten Commandments, the Ramban's commentary on the book of Exodus. And the subject matter is the fact that if you look at the Ten Commandments, when they actually happen in the book of Exodus, when it talks about Shabbat, it says, Zachor, remember the Shabbat. And if you fast forward to Deuteronomy, it doesn't say, Zakhor, remember the Shabbat. It says, "shamor," guard, observe the Shabbat. And the Ramban is trying to figure out why is there this change. So he quotes the Talmud. And he says, well, the Talmud says that actually, Zachar and Shamor remember the Shabbat, observe the Shabbat, were said together. So what did God say? Zachar and shamor together, something that humans can say. Humans can't say two words together. Humans can't even hear two words together. This is a prophetic experience. Zachar and Shamar were said together. Says the rabban, I'll reveal to you the secret. And it is a secret. He literally calls it a secret. He says, Zachar means male. Shamar refers to female. He points out that on Friday night, at night, night kabbalistically is feminine, and day kabbalistically is masculine. Zachor and Shamor, masculine, feminine, one refers to Friday night, which is feminine, which is why on Shabbat, by night, Friday night, we're supposed to say, Boi Kala, come, O bride, feminine. And by day, it is masculine. What it's telling us here is that we have the masculine and the feminine. And on Shabbat, there is a unity. On Shabbat, they're said together. And by the way, our sages tell us, we know in Hebrew, every word is either masculine or feminine. It's one of the rules of Hebrew grammar. Our sages tell us the word Shabbat is both masculine and feminine the essence of shabbat is unity of opposites continues the ramban zahar remember the shabbat refers to positive mitzvos positively consciously remember the shabbat sanctify the shabbat that refers to the relationship of love that we have with God, of mercy that God has to us. Shamor, guard, observe, adhere to the laws of Shabbat, that refers to fear of God. What he's telling us is a very powerful idea. We have a dual relationship with God. There's love of God, and there's fear of God. Avinu, Maltenu, our father, our king, the father that we love, The king that we revere. The king that we're a little bit scared of. We have awe of God, our king. What happens on Shabbat? Shabbat is the unity of that relationship. Love and fear together. Zachor and Shamor together. Okay, what else unites on Shabbat? We have a body. We have a soul. They are opposites. When do they unite? They unite on Shabbat, says the Talmud. Very famous teaching of the Talmud. Very advanced, very secretive. I'll reveal to you the secret. On Shabbat, says the Talmud. Every person gets an extra soul. Neshama Yisera, an extra soul on Shabbat. Now what does that mean? Does that mean that on Shabbat you have two souls and only one body? If death is separation of soul and body, is it harder to die on Shabbat? What's going on over here? What's going on is like this. And this is, I'm, I'm jumping ahead just to reveal the insight. Normally, there's a conflict. The body says X, the soul says Y, and we have free will, so to speak, caught in between of our opposing and warring impulses. On Shabbat, we have an extra soul. That doesn't mean that we have one soul during the week, a second soul on Shabbat, but only one body on Shabbat. What it means is that for the duration of Shabbat, our soul... And our body are united. The body, the erstwhile enemy of the soul, on Shabbat becomes elevated. On Shabbat becomes holy. You have a soul during the week? During the week, the body says no. The body opposes. The body resists the agenda of the soul. On Shabbat... You have an extra soul, meaning the body itself becomes holy on Shabbat. There's unity of body and soul because the body itself becomes like a soul on Shabbat. Normally you want to do a mitzvah. Who wants to do the mitzvah? The soul wants to do the mitzvah. Who says no? The body says no. What happens on Shabbat? We're told you have to eat a meal. You have to drink wine you have to have a feast, you're supposed to relax, you're supposed to take a nap, you're supposed to spend time with your family. That's the mitzvah of Shabbat. Who's behind that mitzvah? The soul wants it because the soul wants the mitzvah. The body also wants it because those things are pleasurable for the body as well. Finally, on Shabbat, the body and soul could agree. The body and soul are both elevated to being like souls. They're both united in purpose in doing the mitzvah. And here is the insight. What is the gift of Shabbat? What is this gift that Moshe is revealing to Jewish people? Go inform them. They don't get it. They think Shabbat is a list of restrictions and prohibitions and rules and all kinds of things you can't do. They don't realize that this is a gift from God's most inner treasure houses. Shabbat is about uniting opposites. The male, the female, the love of God, the fear of God, the body, the soul, the heavenly world, and this world. You guard the Shabbat. And you testify on Shabbat that God created the world. So the verse says, when someone observes the Shabbat, they are testifying that the Almighty created the world. In six days, and on Shabbat, He ceased to create. So if you think about that, it sounds like a history lesson. Thousands of years ago, millions of years ago, whatever it was, God created the world in six days, whatever that means, on the seventh day, He ceased to create. It sounds like Shabbat is testifying to ancient history there's a very 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 deep point here Shabbat is very relevant it's not just about testifying about history we believe God created the world but left it unfinished the whole world God created the world, left it unfinished. The world is still not perfect. And why is it not perfect? Because this world is different than the heavenly spheres. This world, it's possible to be an atheist. It's possible to live your whole life and not acknowledge God because God's presence is not tangible to all in this world. Creation is amazing. Ninety-nine point nine percent of the way of the, of the way done. There's a little bit that has not yet been done. And who's going to finish God's creation? Who's going to finish the job? Us. That is our job. We are God's partners in finishing creation. How do we do that? How does the Jewish nation? complete what God started, that is Shabbat. To unite the two opposite worlds, to create parity between the heavenly realm and here, to make this world indistinguishable from the spiritual world, to make the body like the soul, to transform the world from a world that by default denies God into a world that exhibits, that manifests him completely. There's an amazing teaching in the Talmud. If I read you this teaching in the Talmud at the beginning, you would say, Rabbi, you're making this up. Someone who declares on Friday night that God created the world in six days and rested on day seven, it's as if that person is a partner with God in Genesis, in creation. The Talmud says, this is again from the Talmud, the book of Shavuot, page 119b. Humans can partner with God in creation. Creation is over and done with. God created the world six days, seven days. He rested. Okay. We have a complete world. Now we're living in that world. Says the Talmud, no. God's creation is not yet complete. And if someone declares on Shabbat that God is the creator, he is becoming a partner with God in creation in Genesis. There's an incredibly deep and profound insight. This world is not yet finished. It's still under construction. God created the world And left a little bit for us to do. And what is that we need to do? We have to take this world and make God's presence in it ubiquitous. And how do we do that? By testifying to Him. And by doing that, we're bringing God into this world. We're uniting the two worlds. We're taking our body that could ignore God and making it like our soul to whom God is undeniable. And when we do that, when we obey, observe the Shabbat, fulfill the role of Shabbat, it's redemption. We've done our job. We've perfected the world. We've brought out into this world. We've completed a mission. And we can move on to the next epic of history. God gave us a gift. It's an amazing gift. It is the tool to be able to be partners with God in creation. We could be creators of heaven and earth, says the Talmud. We could be partners with God in that endeavor. What incredible empowerment. How do we do that? What does that even mean? That means that when we testify to God's existence, we're finishing that last brick of creation, that last component of creation that was not yet done because God created a world where he could be obscured. And by us revealing God in this world, We are finishing creation. We're fulfilling our national mission. And Messiah, redemption, means we could check off that box. We are now officially partners with God. The job is done. And now it's time to move on to whatever it is that comes next. Zachor and Shamor. Maybe they're opposites. Celebrate Shabbat. Oh, but be terrified that you don't do anything wrong. The male, the female, the heaven, the earth, the body, and the soul. Shabbat. We could unify them and we could become legitimate partners with God in creating the world. And once it's done, you ask the question, who created the world? Well, God created most of it. Thomas Talmud reveals to us, with the secret, the gift of Shabbat that comes from God himself, it's God, so to speak, blueprint for creating the world, we too to become partners with God. We look at Shabbat now, and we ask the question, well, what's, what's it all about? Why do we have all these restrictions? And of course, there's a very good answer. If you look at it at a very superficial level, you'll say, well, Shabbat is a nice time to have a sabbatical, to unwind... Free yourself from the phone and from the TV and from social media. Have quality time with your family. Spend time with your children. Have a lavish feast. That's the fake pearls. Moshe is revealing to us. Moshe is urged to go tell us. Tell them what it's really about. Tell them that when they bring about God in this world... They're becoming partners with me in creation. It's not just about looking back at history and being, you know, the honest chroniclers of history. Oh, you should know that don't think that it was created by some sort of magic explosion with a a big bang that happened on its own. Oh, no, God created. That's not what Shabbat's about. Shabbat is about us finishing the job, becoming partners with God and completing what he began. And by doing that, we have fulfilled our national mission. How do we do it? How do we unite these two worlds? How do we complete creation? We cease from working. We testify that it is only God who has the power. Of course, in heaven, everyone knows that. Of course, our soul already knows that. In this world, it's not yet complete. People can still contest that. People can still deny that. The world's not done. Still in the construction. On Shabbat, we withhold from work. And the 39 categories of work that the Kabbalists tell us God used to create the world, from all 39 of them, we abstain. And we say, no, we're not creators. There's only God as creator. And by doing that, we are exhibiting God. In this world, and we are bringing the world towards its perfection, and we are becoming partners with God. So why indeed do we have the mitzvah magnets? Why indeed do we have the Shabbat light switch covers? Why indeed have we spent so much money creating these nifty little things that click on with so much satisfaction of course, it's great to play with, and the magnets are just awesome. Who doesn't love magnets? Everyone loves magnets. Why did we invest so much money in this campaign? Why are we shipping dozens, hundreds, thousands of these mitzvah magnets, of these Shabbat light switch covers, all over the world? The answer is that by doing this, It's a small step to help bring the world to its perfection. If on Friday night, before Shabbat starts, a Jew takes a metamagnet, magnet, takes a Shabbat light switch cover, and with great satisfaction, clicks it onto a light switch. And by doing that, makes a declaration, and makes a determination, and makes a choice to say, For the next 24 hours, for the rest of the Shabbat, this is off-limits. By doing that, there is one little corner in the world where the job of our nation is being fulfilled. There's one little foothold of holiness. There's a small beachhead of God in our homes. And until every Jewish home in the world has a Shabbat light switch cover, On every one of its lights for Shabbat, we know that our nation still has its work cut out for us. So I urge everyone, go to torchworm.org, put in your information, and again, we will send this to you for free. And you should know that, of course, there are benefits of Shabbat that everyone recognizes. Of course! When you withdraw yourself a little from the world, you could appreciate it more. You could have this little oasis of withdrawal from the world at large on Shabbat. Spend time with your family. Unplug your phone. I guarantee you the world will still be standing in Matesh, in Matesh Shabbos after Shabbos is over. Of course, those are the benefits. But the Talmud reveals to us there's a very powerful and wonderful gift Shabbat, And you know what? Initially, we don't see the value. We say, you know what? God, you can keep the gift. It sounds like so much hard work. And you got to know all the laws. And there's so many details. But the Talmud cuts right through all of that and says, what's the essence? The essence of it all is the Almighty extending to us the invitation, do you want to be my partner? In Genesis, it's not about remembering history. It's about saying Genesis is not yet complete. When it is complete, that's Messiah. When the Jewish people have done this, when the Jewish people have publicized in the world that God exists, when there's parity, when there's unity in these worlds, our job as a nation is done. With this understanding, Shabbat indeed is a great gift. We could be creators, partners with God, what an amazing opportunity. And with the Mitzvah magnets, with the to cover, it's a small step. It's a small investment to join, so to speak, this syndication, if you will. God is saying, God's extending his hand to us and says, okay, Jewish nation, I chose you. You are my people. And it's only you, between me and you. Even the angels are not part of this. The Gentiles are not part of this. This is me and you. This is what our nation stands for. Our nation is being given this bargain by God. Come on board. Help me finish what I began six days. I rested a seventh. And now when you observe the Shabbat, you are bringing the world towards its completion. My email address is rabbiwobejima.com. I'm looking forward to any questions and any comments and any feedback of any sort.